And please open your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. We'll be picking up today in verse 12. Those of you that need Bibles, we do have Bibles. If you need a Bible, just kind of raise your hand and our ushers will try to get a Bible to you. Ushers, just kind of take a look. We do have some Bibles we'd love to... You can follow along with us today in our study. We'll be looking, as I said, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. I've entitled today's message, Keeping the Ministry Channel Open. Keeping the Ministry Channel Open. You know, God wants to speak and minister into each and every life. And a primary way that God does that, of course, is through the instruction that you find in His Word just as you read it personally. The Holy Spirit also ministering to each and every one of us in a very personal way. But also God uses men. God raises up, as we, we see in the Scriptures, He raises up apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, ministry leaders and workers to help minister and equip the saints for the work of ministry. And it's important to keep whatever channel that God has chosen to bring His truth into your life, to keep that open. Your prayer life, your devotion life, and your connection to a body wherein a pastor is able to shepherd and speak into your heart and life. And what the Apostle Paul is dealing with here in the book of 2 Corinthians is a church that has begun to kind of close him off from ministering into their hearts. They become to kind of become a little suspect of Paul, his motive. They're, they're questioning his authority in their church. Not all, but some. And Paul is very careful to defend his ministry, not for himself, but for that ministry channel that God has entrusted to him to speak into the life of the church. You see, when you cut off that channel, you do it to your own detriment. And the Apostle Paul, loving and caring for this church, is going to labor quite a bit through this letter to help keep that connection going. And we'll see it uh, here in our, in our study today because the Apostle Paul is being misunderstood. They're misinterpreting some of his motives. They're misinterpreting some of his actions. And so they are misunderstanding the Apostle. And I guess I would have to ask you today, have you ever been misunderstood? It happens all the time, doesn't it? Have you ever had someone misread your actions or your words, your motives? Boy, oftentimes people are offended with you and you're not even sure why. Until they tell you and you didn't even realize that you'd said that or you didn't even realize that you you looked that way, you said something, they have assumed your motives, but they've misjudged you. They've misunderstood you. But not only have you been misunderstood, chances are you have past that same kind of misunderstanding and judgment upon others. You've been slighted in some way. Someone looked at you wrong, said something that you were sensitive to, touched a chord, and even though they didn't mean it, you found something that troubled you. And so you misunderstand their meaning and uh, what they're really meaning and feeling in their heart. And it happens in all kinds of relationships. It certainly happens in marriage, doesn't it? I'll talk about my wife just for a moment. Um, (laughs) Misunderstandings seem to come with the married life. You know, this is a classic in my home. My my wife will come, and this is a a kind of a typical question that she'll ask of me. 
She'll bring in two sets of earrings and she'll say, Now, which one of these goes best with this outfit? That is the kiss of death for me. There is no right answer to that question. If I say, Well, I think I like those. Well, what's wrong with these? I wore these the other day. Why didn't you tell me you didn't like these earrings? Why are you saying that you don't that you like these instead? It's a I mean it's a, you're trapped. It's a no-win situation. Men, let's be honest. Without looking right now, probably most of you don't even know if your wife is wearing earrings, let alone which ones she picked out. In fact, the only time I really noticed my wife's earrings is when she accidentally wears two different kinds. The contrast, really, I get that, I see that, and I usually don't say anything, I let it play out, I let somebody kind of... I have a lot of fun with those days. But it happens, you know, misunderstandings, hurt feelings, it happens in marriage, it happens in families, it happens in friendships, and it happens in ministry, it happens in church life. And we have to guard our heart, church. And this is what the Apostle Paul is going to be appealing to throughout our letter to the Corinthians, is to, is to kind of win their heart back and not to misunderstand his motives. Because it's not the, the person of Paul defending himself, as I said, more so the ministry of Paul. He doesn't want them to lose what God has for them through his ministry as an apostle, and it, and it can happen, church, we can become critical. We can become negative. We become discontent. And it, be, it becomes spiritually harmful to ourselves, to a church, to a family, to a marriage. It happened to Jesus. It happened to the Apostle Paul. And, of course, it happens today as well. Well, let's take a look at some verses here today. And you begin to see how the Apostle Paul begins to appeal to their heart to try and win them back to the ministry that God has entrusted to. Look with me. Uh, Verses 12 through 14, Paul talks about his sincerity in ministry. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and more abundantly toward you. For we are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. Now I trust you will understand, even to the end, as also you have understood us in part, that we are your boast, as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus." Paul says, this is my boast. And when he says boast, he's not talking about kind of a braggadocious, prideful way, but rather, this is my confidence, church. This is what I believe to be true sincerely in my heart, that I have conducted myself in a certain way in my ministry. Paul was not perfect. Paul was just a man. Apart from Jesus, there are no perfect ministers or pastors or apostles. But in his heart, he said, listen, this I can say with confidence. This is my boast, that in my conduct, I walked in simplicity. Simplicity, meaning the opposite of duplicity. I had no deceitful double dealing in the way I conducted my life in ministry. No secret motive. No self-seeking agenda. 
I'm not trying to handle you. I didn't come in to manipulate you to my advantage. Have you ever felt like you were being handled? (laughs) Ever felt like someone was manipulating you to a desired end? Paul said, listen, that's not the way we conducted ourselves. It was in simplicity, a purity. And also he speaks of really a godly sincerity. And in that he says, listen, my conducts and motives are before the Lord. He's going to say later that, you know, as God is my witness. You ever said that? As God is my witness. Listen, God who knows my heart, I have walked in sincerity before Him. Not trying to prove anything to you because I know that I've got to stand before the Lord. I've lived out in godly sincerity. And so many times people misunderstand pastors and ministers and they, they, they begin to get frustrated. And, you know, Paul is saying, listen, that's not the way that we dealt with you. That's not the way we've dealt with our, in our ministry, but not only in our conduct, but also our inspiration. He says, we, we're not, we've not been led out by fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. Paul is saying, I've conducted my ministry trying to be led by the Spirit. I didn't just lean on my own understanding. This is not something I've cooked up. This is not my you know, business plan for the church. I have been in the effort to be led by the grace of God. We're not just winging it with our own wisdom. We're endeavoring to be led by the Spirit. And he says, I, whatever I have written to you, church in Corinth, that's all that I meant to say. I have no hidden innuendos in my writings. Whatever we have written to you, that's exactly what you read, and that's exactly what we meant. We had no ulterior motive, no secret jab. You know, put that in there, and they'll read between the lines, and they'll know what I'm getting at. He says, that's not the way we wrote to you. We were really trying to speak to you very plainly, very simply. And he says something interesting there at the end of that little part that we read. He said, I want... I want to be your boast, and I want you to be my boast. Paul's talking about a relationship between him and those that God had entrusted him to minister to. A mutual appreciation for one another. Paul said, you know, I want to be your boast. I want you to to feel good about the ministry that God brought to your life through, through my ministry. Not in a prideful way, not in an elevating way, but in, a, in a, an appreciation for what God has done in your life. That you would appreciate those that God would raise up and, and offer as leadership to the church, to your spiritual life, and that you would appreciate them. Aren't you thankful for some of the wonderful Bible teaching that we have available to us? So readily available to us on, on internet, on radio. I mean, there's a wealth of wonderful uh, gifts to the church. And we can boast in that. It's a boast in the Lord, but there's an appreciation. And Paul said, I want to be your boast, and I want you to be mine. I want to look out and say, look, you're the fruit of my ministry. You're the evidence that God has called me to be an apostle. There's a church in Corinth when there was none. And now it's thriving and people are getting saved and baptized and the kingdom is advancing. That's the apostles' boast, is your lives being the fruit of my ministry. And so Paul, just appealing to their heart again, look, God has connected us. God has connected us, apostle and church in Corinth. And I would say, church, God has connected our lives as well, pastor and congregation, not just here, but in any fellowship. There's a relationship that God intends. 
And it's to be kept open for the Spirit of God to use and minister as He plans. Look on now with me. Paul is going to give a little insight now to what the misunderstanding was. We're not sure all that they felt, but now we're going to get a little look into what was going on. Pick it up with me now in verse 15. And in this confidence, I intended to come to you who believe that you might have a second benefit to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you, and be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh, that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? You see, Paul had made some plans to go to visit this church again at Corinth. And he wanted to come twice. He said, I wanted to come on my way to Macedonia, and then I wanted to come back by on my way from Macedonia. But he delayed his second stop. And this gave occasion for people in the church to wonder, where's Paul? He said he was going to come back. He said he wanted to stop twice. He, you know, what, is this guy, can we trust him at his word? He's starting to appear a little flaky to us. He doesn't even follow through on his travel plans. I wonder why. Maybe he doesn't like us anymore. Maybe he thinks he's too good for us in this church around here. Well, maybe we don't need him. Get Peter on the phone. Maybe he'll come by and check us out. Or Apollos. Let's let's get some other apostles to come through Corinth. You see how this goes. They're misunderstanding Him completely, but something's going on in their heart. And in doing so, they begin to distance themselves from the ministry that God has for them through the life and ministry of the Apostle. And so Paul is trying to say, look, when I make my plans, guys, I I didn't make it in my own strength. Do you think I make my plans lightly? Do you think I just get up in the morning, hey... Let's go to Philippi. Let's go to Corinth. Let's just uh, strike out. And st- Paul was a praying man. Paul was endeavoring to be led by the Spirit. Paul was trying to make his plans in accordance with what he believed the Lord had for him. But guess what? Plans change. And what he thought he would do and where he thought he would be, turns out he wasn't able to keep that plan. Now we're going to find out a little later why he delayed his coming. But right now, he's simply letting them know, when I make plans, church, don't think I'm being fickle. I'm praying, I'm doing my best to to make these plans in the Lord, not according to the flesh, not what I want to do, where I want to be. Oh, I want to spend the, the, the winter in Greece. It's warmer, it's nicer, I want to be on the beach. That's not the reason that Paul would come or not come. He said, no, these were plans that I made in the Spirit. And my yes is not yes and no and no and yes. My word is not to be fickle to you. Paul was misunderstood and they began to imagine that he was unreliable or didn't care or that you know maybe they shouldn't listen or look to him anyway. In church, this kind of misunderstanding, this kind of uh, discontent within the heart, it happens all the time. Happens all the time, even in the church today. You know, so many come oftentimes into a church and they come with such promise. And at the initial, you know, fellowship and sense of community that they have, they, they feel such a good sense of connection. Man, I, I like this church. I love the people here. They're so warm and friendly. 
And I like the worship, you know. It's, I love the songs they're singing. And the pastor's messages are speaking to my heart. And, and, you know, the kids are doing well. And there's this kind of honeymoon, if you will, when you first come in and things are kind of ministering to your heart. God weaving you into the life of the church. Well, guess what? The honeymoon sometimes ends. <laughs> and you thought you liked the people till you got to know them. <laughs> And it's like, oh man, I thought I liked him, but not so sure now. And I'm getting tired of that worship song. And I, you know, and this pastor, I don't know. He's, you know, I don't know if he, he's not speaking to me anymore. There's a discontent that can creep into the heart for various reasons. Church, guard your heart. Time passes, you begin to see beneath the veneer, you begin to see any church, any pastor, any ministry as it really exists with shortcomings, with imperfections, with mistakes and, you know, fumbling and bumbling at times, and you wonder why, and you, and you can become discontent, you can become frustrated. And oftentimes, uh, you know, people then want to talk about their concerns and frustrations, and they find each other, and yeah, 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 why, yeah, why do they do that? I, I notice that too. And all of a sudden, you've got some division going on. You've got strife. And, and it undermines the spiritual unity and it undermines the strength of the church. Now, church ministries and pastors and leaders are accountable. And we're, we're called to live an example and to be honorable before the Lord. But none of us are perfect. And all of us will have those things that at times will disappoint and discourage. But you can't let that rob you of what God has for you. If it's not this church, it's the next imperfect church that you go to, or the one after that, or the one after that. And I know for some, you know, we've just been one in the tour. But ultimately, there has to be a place that God does have for you. Now, God can move you on, and God does. And we, 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 we encourage that, for you to be where God's calling you to be. And things change, and, and in blessing, you go and let, let God use you as He desires and wants to. But, you know, it can't just always be discontent. Because you take your discontent with you only to find the next honeymoon comes to an end. And discontentment is there still in the heart. There needs to be a guarding of your heart lest you cut off that channel of ministry that God has for you through the life of a church. Let's read on and talk about this message that Paul wants to emphasize now in verse 19. And really, this is the heart of it. This is why he is laboring to keep connected with this church, lest they fail to embrace the message of his ministry. Look with me now, starting in verse 18. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in Him was yes. For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. This now is the real emphasis of this passage. Paul saying, listen, don't let my travel plans uh, distract you from the message that I brought to you. 
Don't let your you know, feelings about whether I'm fickle or not somehow rob you of the truth of what I delivered to you. Jesus Christ. There is no yes and no with Him. He is yes. And in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. There are no promises of God outside of Christ. God has brought all of His promises and anchored them in His Son. Jesus Christ is the message. He is the promise. He is the hope. And don't allow your frustrations, Paul would say, with me, the messenger, to in any way distract you from the power and truth of the message. This is how God works. He uses men. He uses imperfect vessels to bring a perfect message. He uses just, you know, weak, you know, clay to shine forth His glory. Isn't that what Paul said? We have this treasure in earthen vessels, jars of clay, that the glory would not be of us, but of Him. The message is what's of of essential import in Paul's ministry, and he doesn't want anything to distract from that. Just bask in these few verses, just the beauty of the message, that in Jesus all the promises of God are yes and amen. Are you wondering today that, you know, if God will forgive you of your sin, the promise is this in Jesus, yes and amen, He will. What about eternal life? Is there hope beyond this life? What about my loved ones that knew the Lord? Will I be reunited in Christ? That promise is yes and amen. What about a purpose for for, for living? What about a, a reason that I'm even on the planet? Is there something that God has created me for in Christ? The answer is yes and amen. The message of Christ is the fullness of God's work. And you are not only promised, but he says you are established in Christ. You are secure in him. Your relationship with him is secure. Oh, don't get distracted with the imperfections of apostles and pastors and teachers and and church people. They're just like you, imperfect. No, no, but in Christ you're established. In Christ are the promises made true. He goes on and he said, you know, it's, we, it's God that has anointed us. And this is a mystery. It's one that I, I kind of racks my mind when I think about it. And maybe you too, when you think about God, how can you use me for anything good? <laughs> because I'm weak. I'm messed up. I'm frail. I, I, I'm insecure. I have worries. I have selfishness. I have all of these things in my life. My whole family is here. I have a whole panel here to verify these things for you today. How can God use us? Because of His grace. He has anointed us for good works. Paul was just like you and me, a man. Just a man with weakness and mistakes and and baggage, and yet God has anointed me. That means that God has put His Spirit, He has empowered me for this work. And this is the way the Lord does work. He uses you and I to further His kingdom, to further His work in the earth. He's called us, He's gifted us, He's empowered us. Paul says here that we are sealed 
in Him, that means there is a stamp of ownership on you. You are mine. I bought you at the cross. My own blood, you belong to me. And that ownership is marked on you through the seal of the Holy Spirit who has also been given in our hearts as a guarantee, a foretaste, if you will, of the blessing and eternal promises to come. How can we be sure? How can we know? Because the Spirit of God in your heart bears witness that it's true. And if you know the Lord and you've had a touch of God in your life through faith in Christ, you know that you know that you know that He is real, He is alive, the Spirit of God within me crying, Abba, Father, Daddy, I belong to You. I'm Yours. I don't deserve it. I can't work this up in my own wishful thinking, but the Spirit of God has confirmed it in my heart. And that's your guarantee. That's just a foretaste of the blessings to come. God's just getting started. And the Holy Spirit is that down payment, if you will. Your salvation is bought and paid for in full. But the fullness of that blessing has not yet been revealed. Isn't that what John said? It's not yet been revealed what we, what we shall be. But when we see Him face to face, then we will become as Him because we'll know Him as we are known. There's more to come, believer, and the assurance of that, the guarantee that it's coming, is the Spirit of God in your own heart and life, working and confirming and touching you with His truth. And this is Paul's heart. You see it, church, don't miss the message, even if you stumble at times over the messenger. Oh, embrace Christ. The glory is of Him And God had given him a role in their life. Can you imagine today, knowing what we know now about the Apostle Paul and how he was used to write most of the New Testament, can you imagine a church that would somehow not want him to come and minister or not be... I mean, this would be a great gift to a church. Oh, we would love to have him come and minister to our hearts. Paul doesn't want to lose that connection. Because God had given him a role in their life to teach them, to instruct them in their faith, to build up and edify their spiritual life. And this is a danger, church. You can limit the Lord's ministry in your life just by your own discontent. You're no longer able to receive the teaching because something's bothering you, something's rubbing you wrong. And now the Word of God's not ministering to your heart any longer, not because the Word of God has changed, but because there's something in your own heart that is disconnected from the messenger. That ministry conduit that the Lord uses becomes limited and halted because of personal feelings, concerns, and criticisms. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Don't let what God has given to a pastor to sow into your heart in any way be diminished by our own frailties and our own human drama. It's just part of the part of the package. But God is faithful. Well, we'll finish up here today. I want you to look now again with me, verse twenty three. Paul is going to give now a little more insight as to why he was delayed in his coming. And I'm going to read 23 all the way through the first two verses of chapter 2. Follow with me. Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul that to spare you, to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over your faith, 
but we are fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. But I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow. For if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad but the one who is made sorrowful by me? Now we see what's going on. Now we understand why Paul delayed his arrival. Because the last time he was there, he had to correct a number of issues at the church. We know this church had issues. We read 1 Corinthians. There was division. There was confusion. There was you know, sectarianism. There was you know, little cliques and things that Paul had to address in his first letter. And when he arrived, no doubt he had to deal with some of those things. And it wasn't pleasant. Who wants to go and solve problems? As a parent, who wants to go and have to deal with, you know, the disciplining of a child? It's not the most pleasant part of parenting. And it's certainly not the most pleasant part of ministry. And Paul is simply saying, look, the reason I delayed is because I wanted to give you opportunity to get it together. I wanted to have an opportunity to write again to you and encourage you in those things that we talked about last I was there. And I didn't want to follow up the trip too quickly, lest you didn't have time to kind of put things together. And then I've got to come and we're dealing with some of the same issues. It was to spare you. I want my coming to be at a time when we can rejoice together. Paul got, Paul got beat up in the world. Paul got persecuted everywhere he went. Paul got you know, stoned. He got thrown into prison. He didn't want it to be a bad experience when he came to the very church and the people that he loved and the church that he planted. He wanted that to be his refreshing. He wanted that to be his spiritual encouragement. And so now we see why he delayed his coming. Very practical. Have you ever put off something, a confrontation, maybe in hopes that it will kind of resolve itself before you have to address it? Haven't you done that? I know I have. Not every battle is worth fighting right now. Give it some time. Let's give them a little space. Let the grace of God work. Let the Holy Spirit make a little traction in their hearts. We don't have to fix everything right now. Give God some space to work and move and, and, and operate. And then we'll come and visit. Then we'll talk. I want to hear the testimony of what God's done. And let's put a few months down so that we can hear what God has done. If I come right now, I know you're in the midst of it. And it's not going to be much different than the last time we talked. So you see something of the Apostle's heart. He doesn't want to bring sorrow to them because he doesn't want to grieve over the sorrow that he would cause them. It would cause sorrow for him. And he says a number of uh, important things to us here. I I draw your attention again, again to verse 24. Listen, not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are fellow workers for your joy. Paul said, listen, I'm not some Lord over you. I'm an apostle. That doesn't make me some, you know, dictator. And no minister of the gospel is a, should be any kind of a dictator. Jesus was a servant. He came to serve. And so those that would follow Him would be the greatest servants. That's what Jesus said. The greatest among you will be the greatest servants. Not some high-minded, you know, um, dominating, I'm in charge, my way or the highway kind of a thing. Paul said, that's not my heart. That's not where I'm coming from. I'm just a fellow worker with you for the joy of the Lord. 
We're just serving together. We're just journeying together. We're pilgrims on our way to the Lord's promised land. And so we travel together. God's given each of us a role, and I'm endeavoring to do mine, Paul said, and encourage them to do theirs, and together we walk forward in the Lord. I do not have dominion over your faith. And he says there, the finishing part of verse 24, for by faith you stand. You see, you ultimately have to stand in your own faith. No pastor, no ministry leader, no, no evangelist, no celebrity Christian can cause you to stand in Christ. You know, we're going to be rooting for somebody. I imagine this afternoon some of you have a, have a team that you're rooting for at the Super Bowl, right? And if your team wins, how are you going to feel? Big, strong, you know, just somehow, vicariously, I am them, they are me, and we have won, right? But not a one of us could get out on that field and do it ourselves, my goodness, no, no we wouldn't dare. But, that's, but Paul's saying, look, not so in the church. You don't, you know, we don't ride on the coattails of ministers and ministries. Oh yes, ministry has a place and ministers have a role. But you've got to stand on your own faith. You've got to have your own relationship with the Lord. You've got to have your own walk and personal reality with Jesus Christ. And no pastor, no minister, no TV evangelist can get you there or keep you there. We can help. We can encourage. We can edify. We can build up. We can pray. We can admonish. We can teach. But you stand in your own faith by the grace of God's touch on your life. And so Paul reminds them, guys, I'm just in this with you, but we're all in this together. You've got to stand in your own relationship and faith. Yes, ministers have a role. Apostles, Paul had a role. Pastors have a role. But ultimately, it's our own personal walk with the Lord, guarding our hearts, Walking in love with one another. You know, the Bible says that love is not easily offended. It, does, it, it scarcely takes into account a wrong. Boy, it seems to me we could learn from that. We can't wear our, our feelings on our sleeves and think that we're going to really get along in the body of Christ. We're going to have to be patient with one another. We're going to have to not be easily offended, but rather encourage one another in the Spirit and in love. And, you know, walk together. There's something that God has for us. And we want to keep that open. We want to keep the body, the relationship with the church, not just the pastor, but one another, the church. It has a vital role in your spiritual life. And I desire to see that thrive in your life. That's my heart. That's the, the Apostle's heart. And I think that's God's Word for us here today. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for just a very practical insight into the Apostle Paul. Lord, so many passages in the New Testament that he just teaches beautifully on doctrine and truth. And, but, but here, in this glimpse, we do get some doctrine, some truth, that in, the, that in Jesus all the promises of God are yes and amen. But Lord, we see something else here. We see a little glimpse into the heart of a minister. And we, we understand his desire to see what God had, had given to him to flow completely freely into the lives of those that had been entrusted to him. And so I would ask and pray for our church. Lord, I thank you for the good spirit here. 
I thank You for the the unity that we enjoy. I thank You, Lord, for Your love in our midst. And there is a sense of Your blessing upon us. But God, I would also ask that You would help us to guard our hearts. For as much as the blessing has come, so the enemy would like to come and steal away the work. And so we would ask that You would help this Word just be something of of good medicine for us, Lord. A good reminder that You've called us together to walk together. For whatever season of life we are here, this is our time. And Lord, some may move on and, and we would send them with blessing as You lead. But today, Lord, You've entrusted these things to us. Help us to walk in love and to be faithful to those things that You've given us. Protect the church, Lord. And protect each and every one in the church, Lord. And as our heads are bowed here, and I would ask you just to stay in a moment of prayer with me for just another moment. I I do want to give an opportunity if you're here today, and the Lord is speaking to you about your personal faith in Jesus. As I mentioned, there's really no one that can make that decision for you. No one can open up your heart and bring Jesus to life except you call on Him. And maybe you're here today and the Lord is speaking to you and and you know in your heart that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, but you sense in your heart you want to be forgiven of your sin, you want those yes and amen promises of eternal life and and, and life abundant, I would love to pray for you. And I'm going to give you a a moment, uh, give you an opportunity to respond here in just a moment. But I want to pray not only for those maybe for the first time, but if you're here today and you need to rededicate, recommit your life to the Lord. I know that it's possible to be a believer, a Christian, but to drift far away from fellowship. And maybe you're here today and that's you. You're you're not where you need to be in God. I'm not talking about the occasional up and down that every Christian struggles with. I'm talking about a real departure from your walk with Him. And you need to come back and rededicate, recommit your life to Him today. I want to pray for you too. By your faith, you stand. Faith in what Jesus has done, that grace, that mercy, that forgiveness can be yours right now as we pray. So if you're here today and you need the Lord Jesus for the very first time or you want to recommit and rededicate your life to Him, would you just raise your hand where you're seated, let me see you, and I'm going to pray for you. God bless you, young man in the middle. You, ma'am, on my left. Up top, a man in the balcony, I see you. Any others? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Let Jesus touch you. He loves you. If it's Him drawing you, you know He has something good for you. Anyone else? I'm just going to pause here a moment and just raise your hand if the Lord is speaking to you and you want prayer. today just before I pray. So Lord, I do thank you for these that have responded to your word today. And 
I pray that you would meet them, God. You know their heart. You see them, Lord. You love them. And Lord, you have promised. You have promised that those who call upon the Lord will be saved. You have promised that those that would come to you, you will, you will in no wise cast out. And in Jesus, we learned even this morning that the promises of God are yes and amen. So Lord, for these that have responded, I would ask that you would meet them, that they would acknowledge before you, God, that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I'm asking you to wash me in the blood of Jesus that was shed for me at the cross. You died for me, Jesus. You rose from the dead in victory. And my trust and confidence are now in you. I invite you into my life. I invite you back into my life, God. I want to be recommitted and refreshed. I want to live my life for you and in you. Meet me today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.